welcome to theories of the third kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts. There is another host that is joining me today, Daniel Sun. What's up, guys? Now, real quick, before we start today's episode, I just want to say that if you'd like to support the show, then there's a few ways that you could do that. One of the ways is Patreon. Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month, which is only 16 cents a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes. In total, we have over 85 extra Patreon episodes, which is over 130 extra hours of listening pleasure. So to see this full list of Patreon episodes that we have available, go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. You can click on the Patreon episodes tab, and there you will see the entire list of Patreon-exclusive episodes that we have published. Also today, we added another Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over alien skeletons. In that episode, we talk about multiple different stories of individuals finding odd alien-type skeletons throughout the years. So you get access to that episode, as well as all of the others, for just $5. Now, if you can't afford a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, you can leave us a written review on iTunes or Spotify, which, by the way, Spotify just started allowing podcasts to be rated. And if you left us a rating, you can send me a screenshot of you leaving a rating and uh, also attach your mailing address and I will ship you some stickers for free. And I'm just now getting over COVID, so I'm going to start picking back up and shipping the stickers off. I'm a little behind because I got COVID for the past two weeks. So, yeah, if you rate us, it helps us out. We don't earn any money off of it. It just helps our visibility. So let's say if this big podcast by some big media company only has like a thousand ratings, but we have 2000 ratings, that means that our episodes will show up over their episodes when people search certain episodes. So there you go. However, though, don't feel pressure to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoots, Satswatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever, whatever you are, to enjoy the show. And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is the Atacama Alien. So how this episode will go today is that we're going to talk about the alien itself and where it was found and how it was found, what's happened to it since then. And then we'll go into strange facts and findings where we talk about other similar stories about aliens being found, as well as some weird stuff that has happened in the city and town where this creature was found at. And then we'll go into theories, and then, of course, we'll wrap it all up with our own personal thoughts and theories. With that being said, let's get into today's episode. In 2003, a man digging for ancient artifacts came across something bizarre. A piece of cloth that contained a tiny skeleton that looked strikingly similar to an alien. Is what this man found a true alien species hidden away underground for thousands of years? Or is it just misidentified remains of something more common 
This is the Atacama Alien. All right. So just like every week, we have to start off with the beginning of the story. We have to talk about how the hell this thing was found. So Dan, do you want to kick it off for us? All right. So this all starts way back on October 19th of 2003. On that day, a man named Oscar Munoz was in the deserted town of La Noria, Chile, searching for objects of historical value. Now, during his search, Oscar decided to start digging near an abandoned church. Only after digging for a short while, he came across a white cloth that was buried in the ground. So Oscar leaned down, grabbed the little white cloth, and began to unwrap it in his hands. Now, inside of this cloth... Oscar found a strange skeleton creature that was no bigger than 15 centimeters long. Now, to put that into perspective, uh, 15 centimeters long is about as long as a pen or a pencil that you write with. So there you go. That's how small this thing was. All right. So this small skeleton had a bulging head, kind of like a big round head, and its body was dark and scaly and it only had 10 pairs of ribs. Now, we do have a picture of that, which we will share on our website. Just go to theoriesofthethirdkind.com, go to our references tab, scroll all the way down to the bottom, and there you'll find the pictures for this episode. Yeah, so the first two pictures are of the actual Atacama alien that was found inside of that cloth. And as you can see, that looks pretty nasty. I'm glad he's wearing gloves. Very smart for the person that's handling this because you don't know what type of -of out-of-world diseases this thing might have. But yeah, that thing looks freaky looking. Oh, yeah. Imagine that little thing running up to you. (laughs) I'd kick it across the street. Yeah, first thing, (laughs) kick it. Yeah. All right. So shortly after finding this strange skeleton, what do you think Oscar did with it? You think he maybe went to the police and reported to the police, hey, I've got this weird-ass little skeleton I found. Or maybe he went to, like, the museum and was like, hey, look at this ancient artifact, this alien creature that I found. Or maybe, you know, you'd think he might have went to the local government to say, hey, I found this secret Area 51 alien carcass in the middle of the Atacama Desert. Nope. His ass didn't do any of that. Instead, he took this little creature with him to a local bar and sold it to the owner of the bar. For around sixty-four dollars, uh, I don't know what to say about that. Let me ask you though: If you found that, Aaron, what would you have done? What would I have done? Yeah, I probably would have started contacting places to run like X-rays on it and try to get an MRI and other various tests done on it. DNA samples. I'd take a sample of its DNA and send it into Twenty Three and Me and see and see what Twenty Three and Me said. Get a phone call from them. Uh, where'd you get this DNA? Is this actually yours? Maybe that's what 23andMe actually is. Maybe it's a way for them to identify uh, aliens. You send in your DNA and they say, oh, you're an alien or a reptilian. We're going to put you in our database or we're going to come kidnap you. I guess we can save that theory for our theory section. Anyways. All right. So continue on with the story, Dan. All right. So we fast forward a few years later and a man named Ramon Navia Osario who was a Barcelona entrepreneur and the head of a UFO organization called the Institute for Exobiological Investigation and Study. Well, 
This Ramon dude ended up hearing about this creature and tracking it down and then purchasing it from that bar owner. Now, shortly after he purchased it, he started to fund research on it to actually find out if this thing was indeed some alien being. Now, initially, this skeleton was thought to be ancient, like super, super old. And by just looking at it, I can see how they came to that assumption because it does look ancient. However, in 2012, some tests revealed that the skeleton was actually only about 40 years old. So it wasn't that old. Initially, a lot of people were bummed because they automatically assumed, oh, this isn't even an alien. However, it being not that old was actually a good thing because this meant that the DNA on the skeleton would actually be intact and could be retrieved for scientists to study. So around the same time in 2012, the word of this skeleton and pictures of it started spreading and making its round through the media outlets and social media. News organizations started to report on it, and this is when the skeleton got the nickname Ada, A-T-A. Now, why did they nickname it Ada? Well, it's because it was found in Lenoria, Chile, which was located in the Atacama Desert. So they decided to call it Ada for short. So there you go. Little knowledge nugget for you. All right. So like we said, the word and the pictures of this Ada skeleton started to make its way through the news outlet and it eventually grabbed the attention of an individual named Gary Nolan. So this Gary dude was a professor of microbiology and immunology at Stanford University, and he got permission to run some tests on the skeleton. And this is what he found. Now, there's something else we got to tell you before we tell you the test results. Around the same time that these tests were being conducted, there was also a documentary that was being filmed called Sirius, S-I-R-I-U-S, just like the XM radio station, by the way. Um, now, this documentary was about this Ada skeleton and it possibly having extraterrestrial origins. Now, Gary ended up going on this documentary and actually announced his findings from the tests that he ran. Gary stated that he did a DNA analysis on the skeleton and that he found what was called a B2 mtDNA haplotype group. So haplogroups identify human genetic populations that are associated with particular geographical regions around the world. So Gary took his haplotype findings and combined it with the mitochondrial DNA that was contained in the skeleton itself and said that his findings suggested that this Atta skeleton was not indigenous to the western region of South America. So basically what he said was, look, I ran some tests on this little bastard, and it's not from this area that you found it in. Yeah, it's only 40 years old, but this little son bitch didn't come from here. That's what he basically said. So during Gary's announcement in this documentary, it is also worth noting that he was kind of like vague as to what else he exactly found. And he was kind of like tiptoeing around the questioning of this thing being from not of this world. Like people would ask him that and he would kind of like tiptoe around it, which was kind of odd. So this caused a lot of people to believe that maybe this skeleton was an alien. And also it caused a lot of Gary's peers that he worked with in the scientific community to not respect him anymore. And then he was kind of like outcasted. They're like, hey, you believe in aliens? Pfft, you're no longer part of our scientific community. And he was like, what the hell, guys? I'm just reporting on what I find, you know? 
So after that documentary aired in 2013, nothing really significant happened with the Adder skeleton until five years later in March of 2018. The Stanford University professor, Gary Nolan, decided to publish additional results from his study five years prior. Yeah. So Gary, five years later, was like, look, I'm tired of getting snubbed by my scientific peers. I'm tired of not getting invited out to the bars. So I'm going to publish a new study five years after I published my old one. And his study stated that this Ada skeleton was indeed a human fetus and that it had a rare bone aging disorder, as well as other genetic mutations in genes associated with dwarfism, scoliosis, and abnormalities in the muscles and skeleton. Now, he also identified 64 unusual mutations that specifically affect skeletal development that have never been reported before. So this was like some new mutations he had found, and he kind of like backtracked on his initial finding. Well, I wouldn't say really backpedaled, because he kind of withheld this information in the documentary to kind of like, uh, I don't know. In my perspective, it seemed like Gary didn't mention this scientific findings in the documentary because the documentary was like, hey, we want you to make it look like a, uh, an actual alien. But that's just my opinion. Now, this release of these additional results was met with instant backlash, as many questioned the findings and the ethics of the study itself that Gary did. Some say that these additional results were bogus and Gary made them up as a way to kind of clear his name from the study so he could become respected again in the scientific community. The man missed his friends. Yeah, he did. He just, he just wanted to get invited back to the bars with his friends. That's right. So shortly after Gary released those results, his new ones, well, I wouldn't say new ones, but the ones he delayed, an international team of researchers got together and challenged a lot of his findings. And they stated that the skeleton, it's, nothing's really wrong with it. It's just a normal, typical developing fetus at around the 15-week point. Which, if you look up this Atacama alien on DuckDuckGo or Google or whatever search database you use, you'll see a lot of people automatically saying that, hey, this thing is just a human fetus. But when you sink your teeth into it, it's kind of like, eh, there's some weird stuff going on in the background. It is worth noting that there was another team of separate researchers that are currently saying that uh, those, those initial set of researchers that, that said that Gary's findings was wrong and that it's just a fetus at a 15-week point, that other group of researchers said that that group of researchers is wrong and that Gary's findings are right. So there's two groups. One group of researchers that say, hey, it's a fetus and it's 15 weeks, and another group that says, you're wrong, Gary's findings are right. So to kind of like sum this up, it's a giant cluster with a lot of scientists and researchers saying like one another is wrong and a ton of speculation as to what this skeleton actually is. Is it an alien? Is it a fetus? They don't fucking know. But, <laughs> but there's a lot of theories as to what it could be. Now, before we get into those theories, we're going to go over some strange facts and findings that we had found that kind of relate to this story. Now, before we get into those, we're going to take a quick 60-second break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Welcome back. So, Dan, can you start us off and tell us about our first strange fact and finding? So our first strange fact and finding is about the actual town that the Atacama alien was found in. So, of course, like we mentioned earlier, Ada was found in the town of Lenoria, Chile. Now, Lenoria was established way back in 1826, and it had a huge saltpeter mine there. Which, if you don't know what a saltpeter mine is, it's pretty much a cave that contains potassium nitrate, and workers go inside the cave, and they dig that shit out, that potassium nitrate. Uh, The potassium nitrate is then used to make gunpowder. So, needless to say, back in the day, when they came across this mine and found out, hey, it's got potassium nitrate in it, it became super valuable. And because of that, it brought workers from all over to come into this town to start working in this mine and extracting this potassium nitrate. Now, this potassium nitrate started becoming an important export product for Chile. And because of this, more mining towns nearby were founded. The town of Lenoria did suffer from this nearby competition. However, what really hurt the town was back in 1901 when a fire broke out and nearly bankrupted the entire town. Lenoria was trying to rebuild their town and was suffering, but the local mine was keeping it afloat. Yeah, this mine was actually bringing in workers, supplying the town, helping them rebuild it. However, that didn't last long because during World War II, Germany discovered that you could make synthetic saltpeter. So there was no need to mine it anymore. And because of this, the mine was shut down in that town. And the city was pretty much abandoned after that. Now, there are numerous towns nearby that have also been abandoned in the years since. Now, one of these towns is Humberstone, which is only 30 minutes north from Lenoria. So this Humberstone is unique because since it has been abandoned, many people have claimed to experience a ton of paranormal encounters there such as hearing disembodied voices, unexplained knocks, bangs, and doors to vehicles slamming shut on their own. Also, people have claimed to have seen multiple black shadows and full-body apparitions there in the town when traveling through it. Now, the most haunted place in Humberstone is said to be the school there. Now, even after all these years, all the furniture, everything inside the school is still there. It was as if the school just stopped the day before and all the children left to go home and everything's still there ready for the children to come back. It's it's very odd. Um, And people who have actually went there claim to have seen child apparitions and faces of children looking at them through the school windows. 
And if that isn't creepy enough, uh, many people have reported sounds of children playing and laughing throughout the schoolyard. And uh, also footsteps are also heard when no one is around. Now, we do have a picture of that town along with the school. And just like all the other pictures, we'll post it up on our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. You go to references, scroll all the way down at the bottom, and there you'll be able to see all of today's pictures, which that is not a very big town. And you can tell it is in the middle of a desert. Yeah, there's not enough uh, trees for me. How the hell are they breathing? They don't got any trees. I don't know how. I don't know either. Anyways. All right, so continue on, Dan. Tell us more about this area. All right. Now, Humberstone isn't the only haunted town in the area because supposedly Lenoria itself is actually haunted. People from surrounding towns actually refuse to go to Lenoria at nighttime. And when asked why they won't go, the people answer with the zombies. Yeah, so we ended up looking into this and seeing, hey, is there actually zombies there? Um, And we found out that the reason the people in the area and the nearby towns say, hey, we don't go there because of the zombies, is because of an actual scary-ass cemetery. Now, Lenoria has this huge cemetery, and because the town is abandoned, this cemetery is not kept up. Like, no one takes care of it, and it is just decaying. There are wooden crosses at the cemetery that are all cracked and broken, And because there's so much wind from, you know, the town being in a desert, some of the graves have had the sand and dirt removed from them. And uh, there's just bones of the deceased that are just chilling out in the open. Now, it is worth noting that people from neighboring towns have claimed to have seen figures at night rise from the graves in Lenoria and walk north towards the town of Humberstone. These people from the other towns are extremely serious about this and are convinced that there are real zombies there who come out of their graves at nighttime and then return before the sun rises. Now, if you want, you can go visit Humberstone because as of today, it's a museum uh, and it only costs a few bucks and you can spend as much time as you want there. However, visiting Lenoria is a totally different story. It is much, much harder to access, even though it seems like it's entirely open. It's not. Now, a lot of the roads that lead to the town are blocked off, and there's only really one way to get to the town itself. So you'll either need a pretty good off-road vehicle or a good pair of walking legs and shoes and a lot of water so you can walk there. Um, Also, like I said, beware of the fact that it is still a harsh desert, so make sure to bring plenty of water with you if you do decide to go visit these towns. And we do not endorse trespassing on property. So just a little FYI. Do it responsibly, people. That's right. Give permission if you want. Yeah. All right. So that's our first strange fact and finding, which is about the town, which is kind of odd, you know, a lot of zombies and all that stuff. So why don't you tell us about our next strange fact and finding, Dan? So our next strange fact and finding is actually about a very similar story to that of the Atacama alien, except this one occurred back in 1996. This one is actually called the Alioshanka alien. So, like I said, this all started back in 96. There was an elderly woman named Tamara Prasarvina. She lived in Russia. Now, this Tamara chick actually found something similar to Ada. But, of course, Ada hadn't been found at that time. So, Tamara found this little ass skeleton that looked very weird, which caused some people to start to speculate, like, hey, maybe Tamara found an alien. Maybe that's what it is. This weird looking thing. However, many people in the town heard about this 
and actually started saying that Tamara was crazy, that uh, it wasn't a skeleton of a baby alien, because that's what Tamara believed. It was a skeleton of a baby alien. And some people in this town started believing that, and uh, others, like the majority of them, were like, hey, tomorrow's crazy. That's not a skeleton of an alien. Instead, it's actually a premature uh, born baby with deformities. So this skeleton itself was about 25 centimeters long, grayish in color, and had a hairless head with a number of dark spots around it. Its eye sockets were large and occupied the majority of this being's face. Now, we do have a picture of that, which we will share on our website. Like we said, just go to theoriesofthericon.com, go to the References tab, and scroll all the way down to the bottom. That's where our pictures will be for this episode. So for this being, you can see that there's three photographs in one, and uh, it is a very odd creature. It almost looks like a flower, like a rose. That's what I was going to say. It kind of looked like some plant creature. It'll bloom. Yeah, the head's about to open up and bloom. It's very odd looking. Yeah. All right, uh, so what happened to this little last thing? So a few days after its discovery, Tamara was actually admitted to a psychiatric hospital for treatment. Now, before she left to the hospital, uh, she ended up leaving the remains of this creature with her neighbor. And what did this neighbor do? That snitch ended up taking the remains and passing it over to the local police to get testing done. Once the body of this little alien was given to the authorities in order to get some DNA testing done, it, of course, disappeared. And Tamara and her family were unable to retrieve it from the authorities. Now, if that wasn't strange enough, only four years later, Tamara tried to escape from the hospital that she was being held at and was killed in a car accident during the escape. And that's it. Nobody knows where this being is at anymore. Mother Russia. Yeah, Russia took the being and ran tests and said, nope, you ain't having this little alien, Tamara. We're going to put you in a psych ward. All right. Now, as crazy as that last strange fact and finding was, we have even crazier ones coming up. However, before we get into those, let's take a quick 60-second break. It's our last one. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Do you follow automotive news or do you just like cars and want to see what the heck's going on? Well, then you might like Donut Media's new podcast, The Big Three. Hi, I'm James Pumphrey. And every week, me and my co-host slash two of my top five friends, Nolan Sykes and Joe Weber, unpack the latest and greatest in automotive news and trends on The Big Three. You'll also get a lot of laughs, hot takes, and personal insight on cars from the biggest car guys in automotive media. So, whether you're a hardcore enthusiast or just a person who goes, up, that's a good-looking car, <laughs> check out The Big Three, available wherever you get your podcasts, or you can watch the full videos at Donut Podcasts on YouTube. All right, welcome back. So, Dan, do you want to start it off and tell us about our next strange fact and finding? So, our next strange fact and finding is about some child mummies. Now, way back in 1983, an individual named Bernardo Ariaza, who is a professor of anthropology, was part of a team who went to the Atacama Desert and uncovered an area that contained 96 mummified bodies. That's right, you heard it, 96. The mummies were the oldest ones ever, ever found on Earth. Yeah, because these mummies were dated back to 5000 BC, which was roughly 2000 years before the ancient Egyptians. Who were the ones that are kind of like praised for their mummification methods, right? Yeah. 
Well, these dudes way back before them were already doing it and perfecting it. And to make this even stranger, majority of these mummies were either fetuses or they were newborn children. So of the 96 bodies that were found, 42 of them were children and 23 of them were under the age of one years old. Now, because they were so young, this started to bring up speculations as if maybe these tribes were actually murdering their young, which some were kind of like, eh. There, there is a theory that suggests that maybe they were actually poisoned, but I eh, will save that for theory section. But our next strange fact and finding connects with this one so well. So Dan, tell us about it. All right. So way back on March 16th, 1999, an archaeological team near the Argentina-Chile border found three Inca child mummies. Now, if you don't know that much about the Incas, let us hit you with some knowledge nuggies real quick. All right. The Inca Empire was the largest empire in pre-Columbian America and possibly the largest empire in the world during the early 16th century. It was giant. They were ruling over everything. Now, how did they rule over everything and when did they start? I'll tell you. All right. It all started in the 13th century. And the Inca Empire began high in the Andes Mountains, in the modern-day Peru is pretty much where it's at now. Now, this Inca civilization, they didn't expand much geographically at the beginning, like from the 13th and 14th century. They just kind of sat there and chilled. However, during the mid-15th century is when they started to really reach out and start taking shit over. Starting under the rule of Pachacuti, in 1438, the Inca swept throughout South America along the Andes Mountains, conquering local peoples along the way and consolidating a massive land empire within the span of less than a century. The Inca Empire reached its maximum geographical extent around 1530 and then began a rapid decline culminating in the fall of Cusco in 1533, along with the execution of Emperor Atahualpa by conquering Spaniards. Yeah, so the Spaniards came along, killed a bunch of the Incas and took over and pretty much stopped the uh, Incas expansion. Damn. So there you go. That's the history of the Incas in a nutshell. All right. So these children were child mummies that were found to be a part of the Inca Empire. So after a team of individuals began studying them, they concluded that these mummified children were sacrificed in an Inca religious ritual that took place around the year 1500. Now, in this ritual, the three children were initially drugged, placed inside a small chamber that was 4.9 feet beneath the ground, and left there to die. Now, when looking into this child sacrifice, we found that in the Inca religion that it was referred to as Capacocha or Quapacucha. This child sacrifice was an important part of the Inca religion and was often used to commemorate important events, such as the death of an emperor. Child sacrifice was also used as an offering to the gods in times of famine and as a way of asking for protection, and these sacrifices could only occur with the direct approval of the Inca emperor. Now, children were chosen from all over the Inca empire. It's not like they just went and grabbed some children off, off the street. They looked over the entire empire and were like, hey, we're going to pick these children based off of their physical perfection, which is very weird. 
Uh, so children chosen for this sacrifice were generally sons and daughters of nobles and local rulers. So if you were a part of the elite, more than likely your child was going to be sacrificed. And it didn't matter where you lived at, because if you lived on the very outskirts of the town, you're getting taken. From there, the children were sent to high mountaintops throughout the empire to be sacrificed. Also, according to this traditional Inca belief, children who are sacrificed do not truly die, but instead watch over the land from their mountaintop alongside their ancestors. The Inca considered it a great honor to die as a sacrifice. Yeah, so they were like, hey, these elites, their children are going to be way up on the mountaintops. Let's kill those first. Mm. And it was totally normal for them, which I thought was very weird, right? Yeah. I mean, that wasn't that long ago either. That was 1500. Glad we don't do that now. Well, that we're aware of. I'm sure like all the Illuminati and all them people still do the child sacrifice and stuff like that. Oh, you know, 100%. They get that adrena- adrenochrome and all that. Anyways. All right. So let's go on to our next strange fact and finding, which is about UFOs in Chile or Chile, however you pronounce it. So when going over this topic, we started diving into the history of aliens and UFOs in that country. And what we found was pretty amazing. So the history of UFO sightings in Chile is very long and goes way back. It is believed that the pre-Columbian civilizations had contact with some extraterrestrials that were outside of this world. Now, because of this belief, there has been a lot of associations and groups that have been created in Chile and are dedicated in proving or denying the existence of extraterrestrial contact with ancient civilizations in Chile. For example, the group of UFOlogical investigations of Chile are all Chilean groups of civilians that are devoted to gathering information about UFOs, aliens, and ancient civilizations. Now, not all of these groups are put together by normal civilians. For an example, in 1997, the Republic of Chile created the CEFAA, which was a committee for the study of aerial phenomenon that is unexplainable. So this government committee uh, ends up receiving cases that are reported to them. They end up studying those cases, and then they generate reports that pretty much draw conclusions about what was seen in the sky. And these reports are generally, you know, typically scientific explainable, saying, oh, you didn't see a spacecraft. You saw the gas off of Venus reflecting down on you. Stuff like that. The government of Chile has stated that the main objective of this organization is to safeguard the security of the airspace and to educate the community about the myths and reality of these sightings. Yeah, so they're like, hey, we're going to discredit everything you see. Damn. Yeah. Uh, and just another little random knowledge nugget, but Chile is noted as the number one spot in the world to observe sightings of UFOs. The number one. So stick that in your back pocket as a knowledge nugget to pull out during family dinner and talk about. Damn. Yep. All right. We got a couple more strange facts and findings before we get into theories. So, Dan, do you want to start us off with this next one, which is juicy? So our next strange fact and finding is kind of looked at as, a, as the Roswell of Chile. Now, it all started on a clear day on October 7th, 1998, in the small village of Paiguano Elqui Province. So pretty much Elqui Province. Several local residents saw a bright orange gold metal cylinder in the sky that was about 15 meters wide. 
So this weird object just hovered over the hills and shined brightly in the sunlight for about a half an hour. And then it began to rise up even higher into the sky and it made a sharp turn and split into two parts. Like it went bloop, split into two parts. Now, one of these parts fell straight down to the ground into like a slope of the hill. And the other kind of fell in the similar, in the kind of same area, but a little lower. Now, this event was all seen by a lot of the residents of the village. And even the mayor, uh, Lorenzo Torres, saw this. So after that occurred, weak earthquakes began to occur throughout the region, accompanied by various power outages. The villagers were in a panic as no one knew what the hell was going on. Shortly after that, there were rumors between the villagers that the military was coming. So these rumors ended up becoming true because only a short time later, the entire area was sectioned off by the military for several hours and strict measures were taken to ensure that no local residents spreaded any type of information about like what was happening there. So later that night, the residents of the village began to report that black, unmarked helicopters were flying in the sky at low altitudes, and that military trucks were driving along the roads of the hills where that piece of spacecraft fell at. Now, locals also reported that they witnessed helicopters carrying chunks of something uh, that was very large from these hills, and these chunks were wrapped in, like, tarps, so they really couldn't see what it was. It was just something very big that these helicopters were picking up and transporting somewhere. These reports were not only by the local villagers, but also residents of neighboring villages. The following day, strange foreigners who presented themselves as tourists began to pour into local hotels and stayed for several days. After a few days, the army and the government suddenly and quickly disappeared and left the local residents wondering, what the hell just happened? Yeah, the residents like, wait, what the hell just happened? In and out. <laughs> yeah, and they were pretty pissed. And they actually wanted to hold a press conference and tell people all around the world, hey, look what the hell just happened here. But guess what? The mayor canceled the press conference and didn't allow any of the citizens to report to any of the local news stations or large media stations about what had happened there. Now, after the army left, many locals decided, hey, let's go up to the hills and see what the hell is up there. Uh, you know, that's where the craft fell down. That's where the trucks were at. That's where the helicopters went. Let's go see what's up there. Now, they didn't find any materials or craft or anything like that, but they did find sort of like a big gap at the foot of the hill that was five meters long and about 40 centimeters deep. A large number of traces of military shoes, tracks of military vehicles were found around the crevice. And some stones around the crevice were covered with an incomprehensible aluminum paint. Now, the nearby Astronomical Observatory claimed the crashed UFO was just a fallen weather balloon, but they did not provide any evidence for that. The Chilean Air Force completely ignored the incident and refused to even comment on it. 
Yeah. So you got the astronomical observatory saying, oh, it's just a fallen weather balloon. And then the Chilean Air Force was like, we don't know what you're talking about. There's no, there nothing that crashed over there. We weren't there. Man, it's crazy. Keeping things secret. Come on, government. Yeah. All right. So let's get into our last strange fact and finding, which is about something that's more recent. So back in November of 2010, an air show was being held in Santiago, Chile, at the Chile's Air Force Academy. Now, at the time, during the show, no one noticed anything weird or odd in the skies. Everybody was just enjoying the air show. However, a little while later, an engineer at a nearby aircraft factory was looking through some videos that were taken at the air show, um, mainly to try to find an image that he could use as a poster photo. While looking through the videos, that engineer noticed a weird spot in the sky. The spot appeared to move quickly from frame to frame, and the engineer thought it looked enough like some sort of craft to notify the Chilean government agency in charge of investigating the aerial phenomena, the CEFAA. So the CEFAA investigators looked at the video, then looked around for other video clips of the event, and ended up piecing together six additional views of this odd spot-shaped craft. Now, this is where things get kind of weird, because the CEFAA's director ended up coming out and stating that his agency consulted with other officials, with image processing experts, and with non-believer astronomers. I guess when he means non-believers, he means like astronomers that don't believe in aliens. Oh. Um, and the CEFAA, their conclusion was that these spots were actually objects that were traveling through the sky at speeds in excess of 4,000 miles per hour and were so fast that they went unnoticed by the airshow spectators. Damn. That's crazy. 4,000 miles an hour? Goddamn. Them some fast spots. They so fast, they make fast things look not fast. Yeah, people don't even notice it, how fast it is. All right, so that was all of our strange facts and findings. And a lot of you are probably like, well, some of those didn't even have to do with the Atacama alien. Hey, they were in the same region, okay? Same region of Chile. And, uh, you know, figured we had to mention it if we were going to mention this episode today and talk about it. So let's get into the fun part. Let's get into theories. Before we get into theories, though, uh oh, we have to mention this one thing because I'm pretty sure if we don't mention it, someone's gonna get a like jump on us about it. Okay, well, what is it? The Atacama Giant. Oh, I haven't heard about this. What's the Atacama Giant? So it's like a crop circle, but made on the side of a mountain. It's a figure that's carved or whatever into the side of a mountain that can be seen from space, and supposedly it resembles like an alien. I'm going to have to look this up. Atacama Giant. Oh. Whoa. Yeah. That looks weird. They could be seen from space. That thing right there. Who has time to make something that big? Damn. All right. We'll post a picture of this on our uh, website. Go to our website. You can take a look at it. Yeah. So something about that area. 
aliens are drawn to it, it seems. I mean, just all of Chile is one of the highest UFO sighting places in the world. And this could be one reason right here, too. It's like calling them, come here. What, that giant, that Atacama giant? Yeah. In the sand? Yeah. And then another interesting thing I did read, though. Um, so there's like little microbes on Mars. They said that the way the Mars atmosphere is, is almost like the Atacama Desert's atmosphere. So if they could actually survive in the Atacama Desert if they were here. So they're just like, there might be a connection somewhere. If the aliens are from Mars. If they're from Mars. Okay. Makes sense. But yeah, I read that too. Figured throw that in there. Yeah, I like it. I like it. All right, so let's get into my personal favorite part of the show, the theories. All right, Dan, so start us off and tell us about this first theory as to what this Atacama alien could be. All right, so the first theory we have is that these skeletal remains are really a deformed baby. Not a deformation from an alien, but deformation that was caused by something that the local government had been doing years ago and tried covering up. Or maybe it is a deformity from local toxic waste that corporations were dumping in the area. You know, I did read something about the Atacama Desert having high um, rates of... Arsenic. Arsenic, yes, that's correct. And arsenic leads to deformations and um, stillbirths and other deformities. Yeah, it was in that uh, documentary you shared earlier. Yeah. So in the Atacama Desert, it doesn't really rain too much there, or if at all. Yeah, I don't think it rains at all. Yeah, but there's rivers and streams and stuff that run through it, which they come from the mountains, which bring down arsenic. And that's what most of the people there end up drinking. Because like as we watched the video, they don't boil or nothing. They, as soon as they get it out, they just start drinking it. Yeah, they drink it straight from the stream. They got some crazy immune systems, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that, is, that right there is a good possibility. The deformity from the arsenic. Yeah. And that's what the Atacama alien is. It's just a deformity. Have you ever seen a deformity to where it shapes the skull like that? No. Looks like a damn flower. About to bloom. <laughs> oh, my God. No, that's the Sri Lanka alien. Well, both of them have the similar flower-shaped heads. Yeah, they look similar. Okay. Yeah. Damn. It's a weird look. It almost looks like an action figure. Um, yeah, it's a strange-looking thing. Uh, so, my theory, well, I don't want to say my theory, but I ended up coming up with this, and it's my personal favorite. And honestly, it's part of my personal thoughts and theories. I truly believe this is what happened to it. Ooh, tell us. Yeah, so this next theory is that this being, this Atacama alien, is actually a love child. All right, now, hear me out on this. You are out in the middle of the desert, right? An alien comes down in the early 1973, right? Because whenever they tested it, it was 40 years old. Yeah. 1973 in Lenora, Chile, or Lenoria, Chile, the alien just happens to stroll past some lonely, hot Chilean woman. They end up hitting it off. He ends up impregnating her and leaves, right? Of course, um, since the lady's pregnant with an alien baby, uh, crossed alien DNA and human DNA, a bunch of stuff doesn't kind of like match up. 
and this alien-human hybrid is born premature at 15 weeks and has a bunch of skeletal mutations that have not been seen before, which this kind of explains the 64 unusual mutations that were found, which were never reported before in history, and it also explains it being born at 15 weeks. So that's how this baby came along. To make the story even longer, uh, let's say this hot Chilean woman takes this alien-human hybrid. Uh, she just had it. She didn't know what it is. She's like, oh, my God, I've got this young, 15-week-old, smart alien hybrid baby. What do I do with it? So she takes it to a church, right? That's the first place she goes to, to a church. A priest, a pastor, church person, whatever, there at the church, sees it and is like, oh, my gosh. It's obviously dead. It's born premature. We will not speak of this. He wraps the alien human baby in a towel and buries it outside near the church. It says, do not mention it. So years later, in 2003, you got Oscar Munoz coming along, digging, looking for ancient artifacts, starts digging near that church. Boom, comes across that little uh, towel, unwraps it, and bada bing, bada boom, he just found an alien hybrid. Okay. I like my theory. Hey. First thing that came to mind was Species, the movie. I've never seen Species. I know there's boobies in the movie, though, because when I was like four, my mom made me turn my head and I wanted to see those boobies. Besides the boobies, <laughs> astronauts or whatever go into space, they get infected by some alien I mean, species or whatever, come down, and their main thing is to mate, to have babies. Ooh, so there's some, they, uh, they like to get it on, huh? Yeah. I like that. But, uh, <laughs> Aaron's the first one. Sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, sac- I'm, I'm tribute for when aliens come down. They want somebody to mate with. As long as I'm not carrying the seed, as long as I'm just delivering the seed, I'll be the deliverer. There it is. I'm, I'm fine with that. But, yeah, that kind of reminded me of that. Like, maybe he's, like, some type of alien going around trying to impregnate as many women as possible. Maybe. Saving his species. You know, we did talk about aliens and impregnations uh, during our Patreon episode. Oh, yeah. If you haven't listened to that, go listen to it. If you haven't signed up, it's five bucks a month. You get access to all previous episodes. And you get access to the episode that we released today over other alien skeletal remains that were found throughout history. And during it, we talked about a guy who had sexual relations with aliens and had over how many children? Hundreds. Hundreds of alien hybrid children, supposedly. Yeah, we didn't go too deep in it because he's going to be his own episode himself because it's very interesting. We briefly touched on it, but we did mention it and we're going to do a, its own episode and we're, we're trying to hunt him down so we can interview him. So yeah, very interesting things when it comes to alien and mating and stuff like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, so what's this other theory we got, Dan? All right. So this theory is that this Atacama alien is just a failed cloning attempt. So you think that maybe like aliens were attempting to clone something or maybe the government? Think of this like like Jurassic Park. Okay. You find, you're digging in the archaeological area, you find something that still has, so they might have found actual remains of an alien, tried to clone it back in the day, didn't work. This is what they ended up with. And they just buried it. Who knows? I like it. I like it. Hey. Maybe it's an alien that had time traveled and it was a failed time traveling uh, attempt. Could be. Yeah. 
I don't know. The alien, the Atacama alien does look like he needs some water, though. He looks really dried out. You think they poured water on it, it might just come back to life? Probably. So that's kind of scary to think about. It came here for water, and it never got it. Let's put some water on it. Let's see what this bad boy does. It starts replicating. Yeah. It's like a gremlin, a mogwai. <laughs> you don't give it water. Mogwais. All right, so what do you think this thing is? Do you think it's a hoax? Do you think it's real? Do you think it's an alien? Do you think it's a, a baby that was just miscarried at 14 weeks? What is your personal thought on it, Dan? I don't think it was a baby. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a deformed baby at all. That... Just like looking at the picture again, I just don't believe it's a deformed baby. Okay. I, I want to say it might be an alien. I actually do want to say that, or some kind of race that was before our time, ancient civilization. Like, I wouldn't say human, but something else that lived, lived here, I don't know. Just looking at the image, I, I just don't want to say that it's human. I definitely don't want to say it's a baby that's deformed. I don't know, just looking at the first picture of it, it honestly has like an evil smile on it. It does. It's very odd. I don't know, man. I don't think it's a baby. I think, I don't know what it could be. Maybe a race of beings that we have yet to discover. As crazy as that sounds, I mean, could be that or it could just be a hoax. Oscar made this in his backyard. It could. That's a damn good hoax, though. I mean, that's just like... um was it the garage skeleton they think that someone took i think it was a garage one one of the skeletons from patreon they thought about people taking mummified parts and actually making oh yeah i remember that one yeah i don't think they took parts from this one and made this one i think i think it is a actual being it is something but i i don't know what it could be i don't know part of me wants to say it's an alien but then another part of me wants to say hey maybe a woman Maybe she was pregnant and then had a miscarriage and this baby came out and uh, she didn't know what to do with it. So she wrapped it up in a cloth and buried it and didn't say anything to anyone. Came out prematurely. Then she saw the way it looked. was just like, I can't raise this. Yeah. And that deformity was caused by the arsenic that's in the water there. But I do like to think it's an alien. But then thinking about it, like if it was fake, all of the joints and stuff, this is just me thinking about it. You know how when you like weld something together, just look at all the joints and like where all the parts like kind of that would mo- that would move the way they connect the bones and stuff. They're all dark colored like they were welded or like not welded, but like burnt together. So you're saying it was put together? I mean, there's a possibility, but it was very well done. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I like to say it's an alien. Kind of reminds me of uh, Jack Skellington from The Night Before Christmas. Him as an evil baby. No, no, no. It reminds me of the, uh, um, hold on. Wheelchair guy in night before Christmas. Dr. Finkelstein. That's it. Dr. Finkelstein. Look up Dr. Finkelstein. It kind of does remind me of him, yeah. (laughs) That's him. Oh, my God. Uh, That's funny. Yeah. Well, you got anything else you want to add to today's episode? I think we've pretty much hit our end. I got nothing. All right. Well, I enjoyed today's episode. It was good. It was good. And let us know what y'all think about it, because I want to say it's an alien. Then again, arsenic deformities, fake modeled alien. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's weird. Go take a listen to our Patreon episode and listen to the other weird aliens and let us know what you guys, girls, aliens, Atacama aliens, what you guys think. 
Hey, and if you have one of these aliens sitting in your backyard or sitting like in a shoebox or something, send us an email to Aaron at theories of the third kind.com or you can send it to Dan at theories of the third kind.com. We'd love to hear about it. Definitely. Yep. All right. So that's the end of the episode. So now we're going to move to our on the scene this week. If you're not familiar with what our on the scene is, it is where an individual uh, who's a listener of the show goes out in public and uh, interviews anyone uh, on the street and asks them any questions regarding conspiracy or crazy things happening in this world and gets their opinion on it. Now, anyone can do this. Yes, you. You can do this. Just use your phone to record and make sure the uh, recording is less than two minutes long and then send that recording to our email. And uh, we will put it in line to play at the end of our show each week. All right. So our on the scene this week comes from Stu. And we're going to play that right now. This is Stu on the scene. I'm here with Sebastian. He's 14 years old. He's my son. Sebastian, do you believe that aliens from another planet have visited us here on Earth? Well, I think it's most likely that they have because there's some of the things that we've built in our past. It's just almost impossible that we could have done it ourselves so i honestly think that yeah okay okay uh do you believe there's a a creature like bigfoot around the world well it's possible we've only for our oceans we've only seen 70 percent if not less and woods it's honestly they could have like be advanced for us to not see them like they like they have senses you know they could yeah okay yeah what about ghosts do you believe in ghosts or have What's your view on ghosts or it's spirits? It's possible. Yeah? Yeah, I think it's possible. All right. Well, this is Stu on the scene with Sebastian. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Stu and Sebastian, thank you. Yes, thank you. That was an excellent on the scene. I enjoyed it. He's right, though. We still haven't disco- fully discovered the ocean. That's it. That's it. That's where aliens are at, man. I'm telling you. They're in our ocean. Yeah. And Bigfoot's, he's in the woods somewhere. Oh, yeah. We just can't find him. He's good at hide and seek, man. He's really good at hide and seek. But uh, thank you for that on the scene this week, Sebastian and Stu. Love it. And I love you. Yes, much love. All right. So now we are going to transition into shout outs. So, Dan, we're going to start off with you. So tell us about your shout outs this week. All right. So for emails, I have I have Shelly V, Adam W, Port City Baby and their cousin Angel, Paige B, Eric, Pablo Y and his wife Jackie, Patrick M. Then for Facebook, I have Rebecca F. And she asked a question about one of our episodes being up. I was like, it's still up. We haven't taken any of our episodes down other than the real early ones that we have been redoing. And I think we're almost close to redoing all of those. Philip. He asked if we were going to do one on the Vatican. Yes, that is on the list to do. Then Greg P., Shelby King, Anthony J.S. Then from Discord, Dale and his best friend Russell, both their birthdays were on January 22nd. And they were born six hours apart, and they never met until they met in college, and they became best friends and realized they had the same birthday. So I thought that was pretty cool. So shout out to you two guys. That's awesome. And that's all I have for shout outs for this week. So I'm a little behind on it because uh, last week we didn't do a shout out because of uh, how long the episode was, I believe. All right. So I'm going to start off with Instagram shout outs this week. Man, we got a lot of shout outs. I've been MIA because of COVID, right? So 
I want to shout out Owen. I want to shout out Nikki Nicole. She says, hey, I hope you feel better, Aaron. Thank you. I do sort of feel better. You know, I'm still recovering. Snuff is good. Ed Williams, Cesar Ramos says, hey, can I get a shout out? Here you go, bro. Love you. Rebecca Van Lottingham, Lupio Carrillo, Dan Forcier, Angel Berman, Jay Jensen, Anissa, and Joshua Dittman. All right, let me go over to my personal Instagram. I want to shout out Gia, Josh, Brian, Rosano, Sarah, Holly, Dyland, Ashton, Monica Stewart, David, and Devin. All right, so those are the Instagram shout-outs. Now, we do have some other shout-outs that I want to give. Uh, so I finally got the package that Dan forwarded to me of the Christmas gifts that we received. So I got some special shout-outs. The first one I want to give is to Lindsay D., uh, Mama Bear on Discord. She sent me, I don't know if she sent you the same thing, but she sent me a freaking mug, cup. Ain't that awesome? Dude, I love it. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So she sent us a custom, like, uh, I don't even know what that's called, like a tumbler mug? Yeah, a tumbler, I believe. Yeah. So everybody go check her out. Mama Bear Designs with an X at the end. MamaBearDesignsX.com. Or you can find her on Facebook or Instagram. She uh, hooked us up. She said, uh, hey, I just wanted to send you guys something for Christmas and to thank you for all that you do. Happy holidays. I designed and made these just for you. Love you guys, and I'm so proud of you. Well, we love you, Lindsay, and thank you for the love and kindness. We never get gifts, and it's weird. I've never get, gotten gifts before in my life, and it's weird getting stuff. You know? Yeah, especially, like, we don't even expect the stuff to come in now. I mean, I've yeah. gotten a couple things, some candy from a couple people. Candy. Uh, souvenirs and stuff from places. So those are pretty awesome. All right, so next shout-out is to Travis. Travis sent us these, like, really cool... They're, like, LED displays? Yeah, that say when you're recording. Like, you press a button and it lights up, like, we're on air and recording. So cool. Yeah, I have mine on right now. I'm blue. Yeah, I ended up putting mine on the outside of my room, and I click it when I go into my room to record so everybody knows, hey... Aaron's recording, don't mess with him and don't be loud or he's going to yell at you. Dude, that's a smart idea. Yeah, so we got that sent to us uh, along with a note that said, hey, I wanted to get this to y'all before Christmas, but due to it being custom made, it probably won't happen. I do hope you guys, Aaron and Daniel, cherish these presents as much as I cherish the podcast. It brings me much joy every week, something to look forward to. Please don't get burnt out or discouraged. Take breaks when y'all need it. The podcast is truly unique. Keep politics out and not being monotone robots. Hope I beat everyone to the punch for a handwritten letter. Please enjoy. Tis the season to give. Merry Christmas. God bless. And then he drew a little alien with a Freemason symbol on his head and put LL underneath <laughs> it. And then he said, hey, please shout out the Grieve, Grieve Boys, G-R-E-V-E, Grieve, Grievy, Grevy. Sorry if I pronounced the name wrong. I'm like horrible with pronunciations. You, all you people should know that by now. Grieve Boys. We'll, sh we'll shout out to you, Grieve Boys, and thank you for the freaking on-the-air thing. That's awesome. I love it. Oh, yeah. All right. And then um, we also got 
these little Bigfoot plaques made uh, that had like the American flag and Bigfoot on them and say Bigfoot 2024. And they were sent to us by Brittany. And uh, shit, dude, these things are awesome. Dude, I love it. Yeah, it's great. Got mine hanging up right behind me. Yeah, I got mine up hanging up as well. I love the thought that's put into these, you know, the mug, the Bigfoot plaque, and the on-the-air plaque light-up thingy. I love it. Uh, I got one more shout-out. Oh, okay. Well, let's hear it. So this is to uh, Tyler Gray off of Facebook. He's the one that sent me the link to the supposed 100% authentic Church of Scientology e-meter uh, set that I showed you, Aaron. Did you buy it? I was going to buy it, but it actually sold just the other day. No! For $325. No, I wanted the e-meter. Yeah, it sold. But someone was actually selling it. So we could have had a piece of uh, Church of Scientology's uh, equipment that they use. Damn. We were going to do some experiments when we meet up. Hey, if anybody's got any Church of Scientology equipment that uh, you want to sell or get rid of, shoot us an email. We'd love to take it and experiment. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Um, At least the brand was uh, Mark Super Quantum. Is that it? Oh. That's the brand. Is that a company? Maybe we can call them. Probably, they're probably ran by Church of Scientology. Probably. Mark, Mark's Groceries to Go. Well, it looks like I can... Basic Scientology Mark Super 7 Quantum E-Meter Package Refurbished Warranty. You can buy them off of eBay, supposedly. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, we're going to have to buy one. I didn't know we could buy them off of eBay. Holy smokes. You can get them in different colors. Vice did a... Uh... Documentary, what's inside a $5,000 Scientology e-meter? Oh, my God, $5,000, what the hell? $5,000, That thing better drive me around town for that much. Good Lord. That thing looks cheap as hell, too. It looks like a 1970 weight scale with these ghetto-ass electrical cords hooked up to it that have copper tubes that you hold on to at the end. Yeah. It looks like it would kill me, like it would shock me to death. We need to get one of these. <laughs> yeah we do yeah we'll try to find one on sale and try to get in we'll uh do a little experiment yeah so if you know where we can get one of those send us an email or if you have one send us an email we want it or we'd like to have it all right so i guess that takes us to free talk which you got any plans coming up this weekend dan uh this weekend no i don't think i got anything planned for now i mean it's still early in the week yeah, that's true. I know the following weekend we have plans. You're flying up. That's right. We're going to hang out. May do some exploring. May do some exploring. May make some uh, videos. I don't know. We're just going to wait and see. You're going to have to wait and see, you know. We under-promise and over-deliver. That's the way to do it. Because lately we've been over-promising and under-delivering. At least I feel like I have. I mean, I know I have. So I have to. I have been. No, I'm talking like with just the podcast. I'm like, I post the video of like the short clip of the us playing the game. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, should I release the full video? And it's like, everybody's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, shit, I got to go through and edit that real quick then, which it's not a real quick edit because it's like two and a half hours. Yeah. You know what else they want? The New Year's. <laughs> I still got to do that too. Oh, my God. As you can tell, Aaron does most of the 
the video editing type stuff and finalizing episodes. I do. I help with research and pretty much editing nowadays. Sometimes Aaron let me do a graphic, but Aaron likes doing graphics. We got a two-man show running. So, oh, we just hired on another person. Well, I don't want to say two-man because we got Arnold, who's our editor. Yeah. We're looking for another editor. Um, we just were able to bring on another person as a merchandise, kind of like, what is it, merchandise runner or a person who deals with all the merchandise stuff so they can deal with all that because main reason we haven't had merchandise up is because, man, we ain't got time to do that. We're busy all the time kicking out these episodes and research. Even though today's the 25th for us, we're recording kind of late, but, you know, we had a meeting with our merchandise guy. We did find somebody else that we might try to go with for clothing. If we can, it'd be awesome. Y'all would love it, but we're still in the process. All right. Uh, I want to thank you all for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. You are amazing. Every single one of you. And I want you to know that I'm proud of every single one of you and that I love you. And thank you for all the kind words that you sent me while I was down and out. I really appreciated that. So with that being said, Dan, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are not alone.